Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Bijou Podcasts. You're listening to episode 70 of the Stacey June Show. Today I have a chat with Dr. Nikki Stamp. Stacey here. I'm the host of the Stacey June Show. Today is a Thursday, so it is an interview day. Hope you are all well. Oh my God, I love it when Self-Centered Sunday uh, podcasts resonate with you. Oh no, was it Single Pringle? Single Pringle this week, I think. Um, it was all based around this theory of forever when it comes to relationships and how we are sold that forever is the main goal no matter what. Now, whilst this uh, lass finds herself married, um, it wasn't always the case that a forever scenario or a forever commitment was of interest to me. And in fact, our marriage ceremony wasn't really about the forever. It was more about uh, the investment day to day. So if you... Um, kind of beating yourself up because a relationship that has ended and found you single didn't last forever or there's some form of expectation around forever that's essentially not allowing you to break out of something that you're unhappy with, go and listen to the single Pringle episode. You're going to love it. Where am I at this week? I feel like my body is starting to... I feel like the, my baby is starting to outgrow my body. Now, I've been showing for a little bit of time now and it was fine until we got to a place where I feel like I'm not waddling but kind of walking super slowly and my back is finding the weight of the front of my body just this insane new experience, um, which has just meant as well. I feel like over the pregnancy, there's been a couple of days every few weeks where I think this baby must have like a growth spurt. And I have these moments where I notice that I am a bit bigger, but I also physically feel different. And it's not so much any particular symptom. It's more just that I feel my body stretching. It's so freaking trippy. Um, so that's been me the last couple of days. But really exciting things about doing um, some talks and, and working with some different companies on getting them happening. I'm super excited. Hopefully we'll have uh, something up in place by the end of the year. So I'll keep you posted with all of that. Um, and before I get on to this interview, I wanted to remind you about the newsletters that drop every Wednesday. Uh, StacyJune.com is where you can subscribe. It will give you all the information about any upcoming events, um, about the radio stuff that I'm doing at the moment or where else I'm working, and of course, podcasts. But I also do a bit of a blog that's in the newsletter specifically for the people that are subscribed. So tell you a bit about where I'm at and what I'm reading and learning and listening and laughing at. So make sure you head to the website if you want to subscribe and of course every uh, bye week so every fortnight the single Pringle website sorry newsletter drops. Today I have a guest that I have spoken to before and actually um, was a real you know real integral support at a time when my brother was super sick. Um, My brother had open heart surgery last year and I had interviewed Dr Nikki Stamp on the Thinker Girls show uh, for her book Can You Die of a Broken Heart and I found the interview 
fascinating and the conversation and just the whole idea behind the book really intriguing, um, essentially around the idea that some form of emotion or, or, you know, kind of patterns in your in your day-to-day could essentially affect such an organ like the heart in such a way and you can go and listen to her analysis and, and the way she explains all of that over at the Thinker Girls pod channel. In the middle of that, um, yeah, I I actually contacted her when my brother had open heart surgery and asked her a few questions and she was so open and lovely about answering them and when you're in a, a really interesting, vulnerable terrifying place to be honest um it's nice to be able to turn to someone on instagram and ask them questions and i think nikki has that real approachable manner about her she is a surgeon um and a lot of people i think don't see surgeons as being someone that you can necessarily approach as easily as um i think often people find nikki to approach so i i've always had um had a real fondness for people that are trying to integrate different types of medicine and integrate different types of wellness. And her book is is a very much about that, but it really does harness and and hone in on the things that we have learned about wellness and education in our bodies and how we may have taken things to some extremes, particularly with the obsession we have of looking healthy. And her her theory is that our obsession with looking healthy is actually end, ending up making us sick. And there's so many factors that go into this. We talk about social media. We talk a lot about advertising and how they're kind of the same, but the differences. We talk about influences. I even share a very personal story about putting up that I had a glass of alcohol while pregnant and 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 my decision to do that and, and what her opinion was on that when it comes to any form of... Uh, I suppose, a conversation that's going to evoke debate around health and around our bodies, particularly when it comes to pregnancy. Um, And we spoke a lot about, uh, I guess, essentially this idea of what wellness means to her, coming from a very... uh, very strict Western medical background with, you know, all kinds of study. I think she's done, you know, almost a decade of study um, and that's not to mention all of the work that she would have done in hospital and then all of her specialty study. It's really interesting to talk to her about her holistic approach and I, I find that really fascinating. I want to read a quote that she says and I do mention this to her in the book and ask her to comment on this just before we get to her chat And she says, I want to take a wrecking ball to our societal obsession with an ideal, with losing weight fast, fitness fads and superficial judgments. I want to create a new normal where we look after our bodies for optimal true health. That is to have bodies that are resilient to disease, able to do everything we want them to do and feel emotionally fulfilled. It's a really big statement and I think it's really quite lovely to hear someone of her stature and in her position talk so personally about her her intentions for what she wants for people as a general health aim um, and I think we could really take some take some motivation from that because what we also do talk about is how important I guess the the individual is in their own health journey and she agrees um, you know there's and it's so important to say as well there's particular things that she might share or that other people share that I don't necessarily agree with and I just think it's really important that we understand that not everybody needs to be up everybody's asses and there isn't one way fits all we all have different bodies and different ways of of healing and different ways of reacting to certain things 
So if we're, we're not having a constant conversation or at least a, a very curious and um, an alert idea of what's going on with ourselves, then we've got problems because it's not up to people, other people, regardless of how ex- how much expertise they have, to be the only people that care about our bodies. We need to be the person that advocates for our body first and foremost. So we get into that and we get into so much more. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Nikki Stamp. If you're interested in any of her books, I'll put a link in our show notes to where you can purchase them. Uh, And you can also follow Nikki on Instagram at Dr. Nikki Stamp. Enjoy the chat, guys. Lovely Nikki, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Always good to chat. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Uh, we had the most epic chat on your on your last book, Can You Die of a Broken Heart, which I'd never had and I've had so many different conversations, particularly with people in, I suppose, that like medical field or the health field because I love to navigate and discover things. It's just absolutely not my forte. So I love speaking to people like yourself to make things uh, simpler for us. But that conversation is still something that stands with me as, as the type of approach approach and the, I suppose, um, I don't know, the way that you see things as being very, very unique. So I think this book is going to be no different to that. I hope so. I hope, um, I hope it comes from a, a place of, as you say, uniqueness. I mean, what I do is, is weird and unusual. It's not weird, it's unusual, I suppose. But I do definitely get to see life from a slightly different perspective, for sure. So let's just start off with a bit of a, I guess, some definitions from Nikki Stamp. So how you see things, what your definition is of particular words that you're looking to essentially debunk in a way. Um, and I wanted to ask you, what what do you define as real well-being? I think the important thing with well-being is it needs to be individual because what matters to one person may not matter to another um, and and it needs to be holistic you know so for me well-being is 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 obviously health but um, it's it's also important to be uh, to be emotionally healthy emotionally well um, you know it's, it's about your community being well and happy and safe and 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 uh, your, our planet obviously you know they're all they all these things kind of play into one another but you know like I say I think from my perspective because I see people you know every day who are facing you know extraordinary challenges that they um their, their view of, of health and wellness and well-being is, is very, very different to what perhaps we're pursuing on a daily basis. And, and I think that that's, that's why I, I get, get this feeling that it, it needs to be individualised. Your priorities need to be taken into account. As a heart surgeon, let's take it back to where your interest in, I guess, the beginning points or the beginning characteristics start from? Because you would see in a lot of cases, generalizing, but you would see a lot of the more extreme, you know, if someone's got an open heart in front of you, they've hit a, a pretty a pretty criti- critical point in their life. If, you know, it's not, these aren't just things that are just kind of happening to everybody all of the time. Where did your, 
I guess, interest go back to, okay, where did this begin for this person? Do you know what I mean? Like there's, you've got this real full roundedness to your approach to health um, and that's quite a big far step back from what you would do day to day because you're on more of the extreme side, if that's fair to say. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, it, it's probably easy to just, um, I suppose, pay attention to the big scary problem at hand. Um, but the reality is, is that that's just doing part of our job. Um, and mm. I don't think I'm that unique in, in that respect. You know, we are definitely, I say we medicine and, you know, some more than others and some better than others, uh, are really about looking at the whole person because our health and choices and decisions around our health and well-being don't happen in a vacuum. Um, so in order to do the right thing by people, you actually do need to look at the whole person um, and, you know, where they've come from, where they're going to, um, in order to, to do the best for them. And, and, you know, I think that that should be a pretty standard approach um, for, for, uh, for, for all of us on a day-to-day basis, but particularly in healthcare. Hmm. So why did you write this book? What was the thing where, was it a few things coming? Was it a whole heap of consistent, I guess, ideas or frustrations or where did it, where did it kind of stem from personally for you? Look, you're right, it's a few things. Uh, so I sort of for a while I've always noticed that, you know, uh, we are told to be healthy in the context of, of looking better. You know, so all health advice, not all health advice, but a lot of it starts from a place of looking a certain way, like, you know, getting your bikini body or, you know. And that's often your... people's motivation, right? Like totally. that's what they go I in mean, looking, yeah. We've yeah. all done that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, it's definitely it's definitely come from, from that place. Um, sort of thinking about those sorts of things, and then I was I was coming home from London. I was sitting in Heathrow Airport and noticed that you know basically every book, every magazine um, that people were reading or they were in the stores all had you know hooks like that. And I was like, that, that that's not health. That's just not that's <laughs> that's not nothing to do with with how how your body works and how healthy or unhealthy you are and I was like that's no wonder we can't get it right we're so so tied up in in trying to be beautiful so I sort of started looking into it and researching it and when I was sort of just in the really early days of doing that um I I, I have you know a family history of high blood pressure and, and bits and pieces so I'm quite aware that I need to get that checked and I finally started medication for high blood pressure and I had all my other blood tests done my cholesterol my blood glucose and my GP texted me as like you know your blood glucose is a little bit high um you know we'll do a few other bits and pieces and I was like immediately reached for the fact that I was still pretty slim and so I can't be unhealthy Mm. because I'm Mm. slim I was like that's so wrong. That's not how it works. <laughs> and and it all kind of fell into place from there. And, and as I started researching it, I felt like I'd opened a bit of a Pandora's box. You know, there's just so much um, information, research, uh, you know, and then just looking around at the health and wellness space myself, there's just so so much that can be done better. Um, and that was the the sort of started start of writing this book it kind of exploded from there so on that note there is a lot of research on I guess 
um, body image and the effect of media and social media and and our obsession, particularly from a um, from a feminine perspective, our obsession with the female body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also blokes too. I've noticed that you know this kind of gym buff dad bod bullshit shaming thing that's definitely prevalent mm-hmm. in our life at the moment. It's coming up as a bit of a joke for my husband, and I've just noticed oh, that and watched it. You know, it's just like interesting to say, okay, it's not just chicks here that are finding their own little grooves of shame. But what I feel like we may not have a lot of research on, which you can correct me um, if that's not the case, is obviously the medical impact and what's going on on our insides thanks to social media. What research have you found and and what do we not – what do we know and what do we not know in terms of the impact of – our new world, which is our relationship and our socialising with social media and our messaging systems, and um, and what do we know about what's going on in our body and what what is still yet to be discovered? So um, it's actually interesting that you bring up the the, the impact of all of this on men um, because you're, that's significantly underdone in the research. Um, yeah, so right. most body image, actually a lot of psychological related um, research uh, is done usually on um, white women um, Mm. and it's usually done on educated women because a lot of the recruitment for these studies is done uh, in college or universities Uh, so it it does give you a fairly narrow view of of these kinds of problems Um, but there is a a, an increasing amount of research on body image and the the ties to um, health Um, there's an increasing amount of research on social media and our ties to health Um, and just to clarify not all of it is bad either you know social media is a real double-edged sword you can um absolutely you know get some really important health benefits from social media um information support um you know finding your tribe which is super important but there is there is a growing body of research that suggests that social media use can absolutely damage our uh, mental health so there's some stuff around uh, use of social media and the you know development of anxiety or depression um around can you talk body to that image. how that works out physically because I still think we're at a place unfortunately that mm-hmm. when you say mental health people like unattached to the body so it's like when you say it's damaging mental health it's like almost becomes fluffy even after all of this time that we're saying this is an illness this is a bodily you know function our our mind how does that play out in our actual insides well, no, I think it's really important to, to say that mental health is a, an issue. I don't think you need to explain it in terms of what's going on inside um, in our physical health. They, they're tied, no two ways about it, but it, it doesn't make mental health or mental illness or even just, you know, low levels of distress that don't quite qualify as a diagnosis as as invalid, you know. It, yeah. It's absolutely valid to feel crappy about something, you know. You don't yeah. have to attach a diagnosis of, it, of anything to be... To, to have that sort of feeling, that experience validated. But, you know, if you want to talk about the physical effects of social media and body image issues, you know, they are, they, again, this is a growing body of research and, you know, we are certainly finding that um, people with body image, uh, poor body image may uh, exercise less because you don't have that confidence and that uh, self-esteem to, to, you know, sort of put yourself in what can sometimes be a pretty vulnerable position. You're moving mm. your body 
and, you know, you're feeling judged, um, you know, you don't feel competent, um, which is a really important part of, of why we say we might exercise. You know, you, it's really hard <laughs> to go and exercise at something that you think you're quite awful at. You know, it's not mm. a really, it's not necessarily a positive experience, is it? Like, yeah, or you feel like cra- you don't want to get out of bed to do it or, you know, whatever the reason is. It's Sure, it's and there's, there's lots yeah. of reasons why you might not want to do that. So, uh, you know, there was a, a paper uh, last week and I'm going to, I can't remember if it was, I think it's UK-based, the research was done in the UK, where they looked at body image issues in teenagers, so kids around the age of um, 16, and followed them for a number of years and watched some of their health behaviours. And really scarily, this uh, research study showed that these kids were more likely to uh, have issues with self-harm, with um, dangerous dieting, with drug and alcohol use. So, you know, it's a genuine um, public health issue Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, the way we are talking about our bodies to ourselves and about other people um, is is really having far-reaching impacts. And we've been doing, this is nothing new, right? We've been doing this for decades. We've been telling people that they need to be thin and beautiful in order to be, one, healthy and, two, you know, <laughs> validate them. And, and, you know, now we're just starting to get the science, uh, you know, to, to explain that icky feeling that we've probably all gotten mm. at one time or another. Mm. What do you see as the difference between, obviously, you know, if you watch a, a, a show like Mad Men and you can see mm-hmm. how um, all the advertising has completely always had quite manipulative messaging behind it and, and you know, those types of campaigns, whether it was billboards or back in the day, very early television commercials, what is the difference between that type of messaging to social media? Like how is it, how is it different, do you think? I don't think it's that different, really. Um, I think that, you know, this is just my opinion, I'll I'll qualify that. I think that, you know, social media is just the new media, isn't it? You know, we we use it in in for the same purposes, you know. you know, influencer advertising is such a huge thing for various brands and you know pretty much any <laughs> any uh, industry at the moment. And I think the other thing is its reach is is so much greater. You know, if you had a billboard, for example, you know, how many people would see that compared to you know big influencers who have sometimes mm. you, know, you know millions of followers? I don't know how many followers do people like the Kardashians have. You know, like and they, they are often million, advertising yeah. um, all kinds of products, including their own stuff. You know, that's a reach of many, many millions of people. It, it's it's just such a it's kind of mind blowing when you think about it. Mm. You know, it is it's the new advertising. It's, it's not. Um, it, it's just repackaged. <laughs> it's the same same yeah. old thing. Just repackaged. It seems it seems to infiltrate differently, though. I feel like there's mm-hmm. something so personal about it. So you you mm-hmm. take it like you can kind of see that's a billboard, and it's so um, mm-hmm. well, it's physical, right? So you can touch mm-hmm. it. You can you know. But whereas if Kim Kardashian is advertising this diet pill, mm-hmm. it feels like Kim Kardashian's talking to you. Like oh, it's so different yeah. in that sense. It's bizarre. Oh, it's so bizarre, isn't it? Don't we get like what's well, so... bizarre for me? Even I'm sure oh, it's for you. Like people come up to you on the street and are so happy about pregnancy or this or that, and it's so yeah. personal for them. And yeah. and it's yeah. sometimes yes. it still takes you back a bit. <laughs> yes, I know. We're so like we're so tied up in other people's lives and experiences, mm. aren't we? You know, it's just it's it is so strange. We feel so attached to it. 
I did read something about this recently that, you know, um, we, because we feel so um, so enmeshed with these people, um, they can exert a greater influence than, you know, if you were reading an ad by a makeup company, you know, it's so impersonal. It's so like it's it's a mm. company, it's an entity, um, whereas if you're reading, you know, um, Kylie Jenner, you know, her post about how amazing her latest cosmetic is, it's like Kylie is telling you, isn't it? It's, it's just, yeah. it's just really, it is. It's such a strange being. Um, it is strange because you've got you've got <laughs> Julie from high school, then followed by you know I don't know Hugh Jackman. So you feel like, and Hugh Jackman's at his house, and Juliet is at her house, and so it, it's bizarre. Whereas Halle Berry on a Revlon campaign is just it's not a real. face. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not. It's no. really, really strange. Um, but, but, just, it's not real. It's not real from. Not, I'm not saying all. It's obviously a sweeping generalization. It's not real from influencers either. You know, a lot yeah, of, of people are paid to advertise these things. It's no different. But you know, I guess that it's tapped into this, as you say, this this familiarity, hasn't it? It's really yeah, and odd. it's really, <laughs> and that takes me, I guess, to a point that I want to make a little bit later about educating yourself on your own body and really working as. I kind of say on this podcast often to imagine when you go into any form of healthcare appointment that you've got a white coat on yourself, that it's really important you advocate for yourself and that these kinds of things are conversations with people because mm-hmm. I think so many of my listeners will feel quite intimidated by the process mm-hmm. of, you know, seeing, especially with women's mm-hmm. health, I think sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's just hard to sometimes get to the nitty gritties. So you kind of, you've and you're also very emotional about it. So it's like, you take on everything mm. that someone says and it's very quick for you to lose your opinions at the door. You know what I mean? Because oh, you're like, oh, what totally. do I know? And that totally. also comes to the social media thing. I think there's become this thing where we are very happy to leave ourselves. It's almost like this a new form of lazy with our own lives where <laughs> it's so easy to just jump into Hugh Jackman's life and forget what you were supposed to do for the next hour. And I find that is a really big thing with all of our idea of wellness, I suppose, of this like this kind of an attachment to our sense of self and what power we have in our own interest in that. How what, what, Does that bring up anything for you? So I think that uh, one of the things with accessing health and wellness information online and with social media is that it feels like you are you are sort of taking control of your own your own decisions and your own health and well-being and and you know attaining some autonomy from it um whereas you know as you say that you know going to see a, any healthcare worker any kind of specialist or whatnot it does feel really patriarchal um that you are giving control over to somebody else and i think that that's where some of the appeal in the health and wellness space uh comes from from social media um yeah that right want to be responsible for their own it is it is very and it is sorry to interrupt but it is very feminine driven isn't it like obviously a lot of girls are like no i di- i i did I did have PCOS, but I could have done this instead of doing this. And everyone's quite passionate about particular personal things, I guess. I, I think so. And I think uh, there there is some stuff to say that, you know, the biggest users of social media from a health and wellness perspective are women um, and particularly young girls, which is why, uh, you know, that for me is a moral imperative to do better because these are vulnerable people um mm. you, you know I'm not saying women are vulnerable um but you know young people are vulnerable they, they don't 
have the experience, they don't necessarily, um, they can't necessarily process and understand the, the perhaps nefarious purposes <laughs> that people who are advertising mm-hmm. on social media um, have at play. So for me, being able to to differentiate that and to sort of say, look, it's great that you want to um, exert your autonomy over your health, your body, make your own decisions, do your own research. I think that's really important, but we need to give you um, the right tools and we need to make sure that we're, we're helping you, not harming you. Yeah. And how do you think that that's playing out today? Like how, what's the things, the kind of things that frustrate you, or at least you want to, as you say, you want to do better? Look, I think that everybody, and I'm, I'm, inclu- I'm not just, you know, um, hating the influencers here, I think everybody needs to do better in what we share online. We need to be mindful that um, some of what we share is uh, potentially harmful or not helpful to, to other people. Um, and, you know, look, there's it's hard to cater for every nook and cranny of the population, but I think it's important to understand that what you say uh, can can not have the desired effect for some people. And like I say, I don't think that's just online either. I think that's in the conversations we have amongst our friends and our family um, is really important. So, you know, for example, you know, talking about, you know, losing weight or dieting or, you know, some other kind of uh, pursuit that you're, you're really into at the moment, I think it's important to be mindful that, you know, not everyone wants to hear that, not everyone should hear that. And I think yeah. on the flip side, I think we have to be better consumers of, of media and social media. I agree, um, I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, because the thing is, is that they don't care. And I say they, I'm talking about this nebulous concept of like influencers <laughs> and social media platforms and advertisers and companies they don't care. They really don't. They want our adoration. They want our followers. They want our, um, our money sometimes. Um, and so in that case, we need to take our own uh, wellness, our own health into our own hands. So I think being uh, better educated, you know, I hate to say it, but a little bit more cynical consumers of, of what we see online and what we hear from other people is actually important. That I think that's that's one thing that we, we can control because controlling all those other things, even controlling, you know, um, social media platforms uh, is, is tricky, um, fraught and, you know, sometimes near on impossible. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I want to give you a case study, which I'm just going to throw in here now because it's very personal. It's happened this this week, just gone. And I don't classify myself as an influencer, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm online and mm-hmm. people follow my story. So it, and I, I, I'm trained as a broadcaster that happens to also have an Instagram account like everyone else. But funnily <laughs> enough, 
you get sent things, things happen, you know, it, you, you are, I am in that space to some mm-hmm. degree. Sure. Um, and there's nothing wrong with, I'm not saying I don't want to be like that or I don't want to be an influencer. I just, I don't know, it's just not something that I stemmed out to be. It wasn't where it started from. But it is funny because my big message with my own personal, I guess, interests and what I like to share is to find your point of difference or to find what works for you. It's always Mm -hmm. going back to I talk about what works for me because I want you then to think about if that works for you, if that doesn't work for you and have better understanding of yourself. (laughs) But it's sometimes hard to get that across because people will see you as, well, you're saying this for you, therefore that is for me. And so, for example, this week I put up, we sold an apartment. It was a big moment for Ben and I, and mm. I had a glass of wine. Now, I am 22 weeks pregnant. Oh, my and God. I can't even imagine what you yeah. And <laughs> I shared it because for me and my experience with my pregnancy, I fear there is a lot of fear around yes. pretty much everything, and I think there is good reason for a lot of things it is very hard as you would know and as most people would know to test a lot of things so it's all very vague a lot of the research that we have um around particular real itty nitty gritty bits of which you can have and what you can't have but I understand Mm -hmm. the preface behind safety and for Mm -hmm. your baby's safety Mm -hmm. what I shared that piece of very floating information quickly was is that this is what has worked for me and Mm -hmm. I have had this one glass of wine and I'm going to share it because (laughs) I want to empower people to see what works for them. What's your opinion on that? Because I think at the end of the day, there is a sense of responsibility. I also have been come from a... um, a path of, uh, you know, st- uh, struggling to conceive through different reasons, not yeah, my own. But And so there's a lot of vulnerable people that do follow me to some degree yeah. and are looking for direction. So yeah. how do you, do you think that it goes back to the consumer? What would you, what's your recommendation there without necessarily yeah. putting you on the spot? But it is a, no, a tricky, no, no. I think, a tricky I think it's point. really interesting though, because I, I, I you know, I, I think it's, like I said, I can't imagine how many people, People jumped out. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad, Nikki, because I'm pretty straight. I've done this for almost eight years now and people know what you see is what you're going to get from me. I'm not really interested in your thoughts on my baby. So so I did go back a few times. But I I did get a few messages saying I'm an infant psychologist, I'm this, I'm that. And, you know, I've got people that struggle. Once they see that post, it might be a trigger to their third drink or their fourth. And I said, look, in my in another life that's away from this, I understand addiction more than you know, and I know that it's not my response. I can't take on mm-hmm. a responsibility mm-hmm. of someone else's mm-hmm. health journey or mm-hmm. mental illness, but it gets you thinking. You know, like what? Totally. How do you play this? Well, look, I think I think it is a really tricky thing, and I don't think there's a simple answer because it's totally valid to share your experience, right? Because you know we we're social creatures, and it's nice to feel related or relatable. Mm. Um, you know, it's nice to like you know, as you said, you shared a lot about you know difficulties falling pregnant. You know, it would be so lovely for other people to read that. I'm sure. Um, so that you know, that's 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 important. I think it's important to to share our experience. You know, I think when you, if you say though, I think if you're sharing the experience saying, I did this, this worked for me, therefore it should work for you. Mm. That's when, that's Mm. kind of in my mind, that's when you're starting to sort of wander into, you know, 
difficult territory mm. um, and that may not be so helpful. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think this is where, you know, it's remiss to say, look, you know, the responsibility lies solely with with the people sharing the information or with the social media platforms because it's, it, it doesn't work that way and, and it takes away some of the value from people being able to openly sh- say, hey, this worked for me. Um, it's why we need to sort of, yeah, I think train ourselves a little bit better to be to look at something like that. So, if, you know, if your post, for example, to be look at that and say, okay, um, that's that she did that that's cool um that's not for me move on yeah you know yeah 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 yeah. and that's right I think that's the bit that is really interesting about um my stance is I have always had a, a pretty um solid level of acceptance to people not necessarily liking things I do I think a lot of people yeah. struggle with that but and I've struggled with a lot of things but that's one thing I've seemed to always just had a bit of a thick skin like it I don't it doesn't worry me as if that's not for you, but I yeah. like this conversation about empowering yourself to figure out what that is and then being comfortable with that within yourself without mm-hmm. us all needing to be on the same page. Because going back to um, uh, the, so what you bring up in the book is that we are incredibly different and we all have our own, you know, unique genetic makeup and all of the different things that are going on inside of us that everything is going to affect us differently, Right. Yeah, totally. And I think that's one one of the things like around the, the wellness space is, is why, you know, someone saying, you know, for example, this diet is the best thing ever, you know, mm. it should be for everyone. That's just not, it's not reality. It's not, you know, it, it doesn't, it isn't the best thing ever for everyone. Um, and so, you know, that's why I, I, I think that that kind of um, sweeping generalisations, it's not supported by the science um, and, and it's also not helpful. So th- those kinds of things I think we should definitely steer away from. What are some of the um, personal stories that you share in the book? I mean, when you go and you talk about body image or you talk about, um, I suppose, your practice, like what are some of the personal stories that you found um, where you put yourself in a vulnerable, vulnerable position to share in Pretty Unhealthy? Yeah, look, you know, I'm, I'm pretty personal. I'm, I'm, I, I like to, you know, I, if I share something, it's something that I feel entirely comfortable with sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, talking about, you know, having to be treated for high blood pressure, um, you know, I, I talk about <laughs> I had a personal trainer who, like, honest to God, you know, just was the turning point in my life um, that where I started to have, you know, I suppose, difficulties or, or problems around food um and not to the point where I have you know anything diagnosable or anything like that but you know that was the point in my life when I was like look back on it now and think god that was so unhelpful mm. <laughs> um so mm. you know I, I I don't share things that I'm not comfortable with because that's just who I am I, I like I like my privacy and part of the reason I I don't um, go, you know, all out is because at the end of the day, this is, you know, I, I love this part of my life and part of my career. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a surgeon. Um, I have responsibilities. I have a huge amount of privilege to take care of people. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, I have to be therefore very responsible and mindful about what I say um, in general, but also what I say about myself. Um, mm. So, you know, anything that, that I put out there is something that I'm, I'm very comfortable with. Um, but, you know, in putting your personal life um, in any kind of microscope, uh, which is basically what you're doing in, you know, if you're on 
in the media, if you're uh, online, you know, it, it is, it can be really confronting. Um, and you do kind of open yourself up for, for criticism a bit. And some of it is fine. Like you say, you just kind of go, that's, that's great. And you're entitled to your opinion, you know, all the best. Um, <laughs> you know, but it takes up your can... time and energy to process it though. Like nothing totally goes unprocessed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, um, it, it is, it, it does. Like you can't sort of say, oh, I don't care because you might not care, but you, you are, you know, there is a, a part of you that's going, oh, well, that's not great, <laughs> even if it's fleeting. Um, and, yeah, there is a, there is a, um, there is a, a part of you that's not real happy with people who are saying that you're doing a bad job or, um, you know, that you, I mean, I don't know, people like, people love judging you how you look as well online. Mm. I've noticed that. Um, there's some person who keeps trying. Yeah, because them. look at the likes you get if you're, look at the likes if you get all doled up. Like it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's so interesting at the difference between my kiss days where I was basically filmed every day for, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. almost three years to then working from home life and you yeah. just see the difference of energy. I think you can feel the difference in energy. It's really gross, actually, yeah. i got to say. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? And I think, um, you know, I think it, it is, it's maybe that's a problem, that's a platform-related issue because yeah. I, I, this is obviously rumour because no one is ever privy to the uh, inner workings of social media algorithms, but apparently, you know, if you share a photo of yourself, like a selfie or, you know, a, a picture versus, say, something with text or landscape or whatever, that, that pushes you higher up the algorithm so you get more likes and attention. Um, which is like, isn't that, if that's true, say, if that's true, it's not great. You know, it's not a great sort of business model. No, and it's so controlling. For us, it's a great business model for them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It depends who's, but there's only a few people that are benefiting from that, I I think. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So the book then, you know, has also an element of discussing, you know, there's all of these different things about body image and and social media and the different ways that we um, look at wellness, I suppose. But then it also offers, I guess, some, um, would it be advice on how, potentially you can better get motivation or keep discipline in your life in a real healthy way. If there was somebody that's coming out of winter and you are on Instagram all the time, you know, you're trying to find new tights and you then you in an abs- you get down a rabbit hole of just looking at Insta models in fitness outfits and it, and it just completely stumps you even more from doing anything. What's your advice on on that inner motivation? How is best to kind of kickstart I suppose a new a new routine for yourself and and try and make it come from if possible the right the right places or or being being motivated by the right places so yeah motivation is important um it's obviously that that energy that helps us to 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 do things (laughs) things are important um you know and I think it's important to to note that you know motivation isn't the only thing that will will help us you know our our choices um and particularly around our health aren't made in a vacuum um you know they happen in an environment that could be busy and time consuming for some people you know there are a lot of social things going on like finance Finances, 
um, you know, uh, not having a safe space to work out, those kinds of things are really, really important uh, in our motivation. But what research is suggesting, and this is by no means a magic bullet, is that, you know, we are better placed to um, start and maintain health goals over the long term if we are motivated by internal factors. And these are things that are, are sort of really contributing to our, our basic psychological needs. And one really important motivational theory in psychology is looking at getting these basic psychological needs met so they are autonomy so it's choosing what you do so you're not being forced to run if you hate it for example you know being um (laughs) uh, being connected to other people so you know that might be mean sorry being uh, coming home after a workout saying oh my god guess what i did um, you know, super proud of myself, um, or or doing an activity with other within people in a class um, rather than by yourself. Because often people, yeah, yeah right. Might, if yeah. that's if that's your yeah. jam, yeah. yeah. Um, and and competence. Um, um, so you know, being feeling like you're gaining something, you're doing something, you're achieving something, and you're you know you're not awful, <laughs> whatever it is. So um, so those kinds of things are, are what we what we think are probably going to be really important in, in motivating people um, to to start or maintain an exercise regime so I guess if you wanted to translate that into practice and again this is this is sort of early days um for this kind of stuff there's no one sort of being able to turn up hey listen this thing this one thing works and of course you know like diets like exercise we're all different um and what's motivating for one person may not be for another um but if you are able to find an internal motivator so something special meaningful to you um so that health for example is a really important uh, internal motivator um you know uh, feeling confident about something like you know i i i'm functionally awesome i've you know squatted my heaviest weight ever ever or i've you know um went on my longest walk ever or i i walked and i just enjoyed it i had a great you know beautiful view i had a great conversation with a friend those kinds of things probably help us to to get into into that that habit um and that, like i said that's just one tiny little um little piece of information what we do know is being motivated though by external forces so that might be um you know, fame, recognition, money, um, you know, appearance, you know, which is a really common motivator for uh, diet and exercise, uh, they just don't work as well. Um, they might work for a short period of time, but in the long term they probably don't give us any any sustainable motivation. It's so interesting and in straight away it made me think of yoga and that business behind yoga. And I think it's interesting because um, – I've always classified myself as a yogi. I didn't always do yoga, but my intention or my um, my interest in it really has not a lot to do with the poses. It's like I actually like how I feel at the end of that. I feel calmer and a bit more grounded and I happen to have had some exercise with it. But my motivator is so much more than a headstand or anything fancy that has now been sold as some form of business. It's the same mm. thing with kind of, I don't know, these big group circuit gyms and 
you know, you've mm-hmm. just got to look at your, I suppose, the first thing that, that's hard, I think, is that you can look at your motivation, but then I think, Nikki, what a lot of people struggle with is to be honest with themselves about what that is. Because I think you can look at it and then Absolutely. you go, I love it. I'm a, I definitely love to bench press, but <laughs> you don't. Like, you know, there is something in you that kind of hates it and also your body, it works against you a bit. So I think it's yeah. on, on your point, I think it's also so important to have an have honest conversations with yourself. Yeah, and I go into this quite a bit in the book, um, you know, that you can't, you know, say I'm exercising for my health when what you're actually exercising for is skinny jeans because you you, you totally know the difference. Um, But you can, um, and a number of the experts I spoke to to research this book sort of said you can buy into your own self-talk. Yes. Um, so if you keep... If or your you story, kind of, your own story right, of who you are. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right. So if you, you can kind of buy into it and sort of like, you know, convince convince yourself not, you know, it sounds like you're pulling the wool over your eyes, but you're not, you know, you can cultivate um, real um, motivation. So, you know, if you leave a workout, whatever that is, by the way, I think that's another thing. It doesn't have to be popular or fancy or, no. <laughs> you know, on trend. Or you don't have to look whatever. good doing it. That's the biggest True. thing. You're like, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Why so, yeah. Um, yeah, if you can if you can sort of leave leave that workout and go, I had uh, I had a lovely, lovely workout. I um, I did something that I wasn't able to do before. Uh, I I went. That's you know, sometimes that's a really big achievement. <laughs> and you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned yoga because yoga's really interesting because there is that kind of spiritual, emotional, psychological side to yoga um, that you get uh, that moment of mindfulness. You know, part of yoga, particularly when it's taught well, like a well-taught yoga class is the best. And breath, breath. Yeah, it is. It (laughs) Um, is. But it might not be the hot. It might not be the hot hardest class. That's the thing that I think no. is really funny about it. Like I think no. for a long time when I started hot vinyasa, I did love mm-hmm. it. I lived in Melbourne. It was freaking freezing all the time. So I loved <laughs> going into that warm room. Like it gave me that. But at the same time, then a few years later, I realized I'm feeling more depleted than I am enriched mm-hmm. by this now. And so I changed mm-hmm. to a non-heated Hatha slower class that felt like less exercise, but I'm assured is not, you know. So yeah. it was interesting how yeah. yeah, even I got a bit stuck into that idea of what yeah. it should be. Yeah, and, and look, you know, I don't, I don't do that much yoga anymore. I, I rarely do it, you know. But I was finding myself going, she can hold that pose. I must yeah, hold that totally. pose <laughs> Yeah. And that's like so anti-yoga, right? You know, that's just <laughs> not the point of yoga. Um, so, yeah, yoga is like a really interesting case study in, in exercise that, that can be useful. But then the, the flip side of that, and I think you, you touched on that briefly, saying that, you know, yoga is a little bit commodified as well. You know, it's super popular. It's, you know, um, it's a, a bit of a business in its own right. And getting, um, you know, yoga bod um, and those kind of uh, – the use of, of, you know, beautiful yogis um, and there are some, you know, beautiful, beautiful people doing yoga, um, that they are, you know, sort of having the same effect as the kind of inspiration people who are, who are also a little bit, little bit, you know, unhelpful for our, for our well-being. Um, so, you know, I think, that, again, it comes back to what you are taking out of it and you've got to take out of it 
look for those things that are helpful to you and, and not harmful. Yeah, and I don't think everything gives you every, you know, they don't give you everything. Like <laughs> I need to go for a walk with yoga. I need to walk regularly. It doesn't give me the same cardio as other exercises do. So I think it's also, yeah, not becoming, I think, too obsessive with one thing too. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Uh, before yeah, we wrap up, love. yes, I want to I read this quote to you, which is your quote, Um and, and finish the podcast on this. But you've said, I want to create a new normal where we look after our bodies for optimal true health. That is to have bodies that are resilient to disease, able to do everything we want them to do and feel emotionally fulfilled. How do you feel now after doing all this press and all writing the book and what, you know, what does that look like for you in terms of maybe the top three things that you wish for someone to achieve such a lovely way of putting optimal health so I I, um have to say you know I think that's important because I went on my own kind of uh learning process I suppose writing the book Mm. and so I hope that when people read it they have a similar kind of you know journey Mm -hmm. um you know I I definitely am a much kinder to myself I'm you know much more in tune with looking for activities um that are you know, making me feel better, not making me feel uh, inadequate or worse about myself mm. um, and uh, I enjoy. So I, I definitely think that I went through that space and wound up in this, this, this you know, final destination of, of looking at health in a, a much more holistic, um, much more realistic um, and a hopeful sense rather than having it feel like a chore or something else that I was failing at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think for me if I was to, to hope, have a hope for other people, I, I hope that people look at, at health and wellness information with a sort of healthy dose of cynicism, um, not to, to just be angry at <laughs> what they're yeah, being but told. Yeah, but I get what you mean. Be, yeah, to question things. Yeah, to kind yeah. of like, you know, look at it and say what what, what is this for me what what can this give to me or conversely if it's not giving me anything I'm gonna you know just leave that alone um and I I hope that we are able to to learn to look after ourselves you know mind and body um for for reasons that are achievable and sustainable um and and hopefully we're not too far away from you know getting to that place and and taking in all the information that we get um and synthesizing something for ourselves that that works and is is happy and and healthy yeah i love that nikki thank you so much for your time (laughs) and for writing this book and for being a person that really wants to bridge gaps between all different versions of health i think it is so important as somebody that has always lived quite holistically but then also has really needed support of you know a a medical system that has the future and Mm -hmm. has all the research and you know and just being able to in the last few years in particular really um I suppose, have respect for a full rounded approach to our health. I thank you for being an absolute, you know, an absolute advocate and leader in this space. So thank you very, very much for our chat. That's really sweet. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, good luck with the rest of it and I hope I bump into you soon. Thanks, mate. Have a good day. Bye, lovely. You too. See ya. This has been another Bijou Podcast production.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 